In part two of our series on Randy Kraft, we dissect several more of his gruesome murders throughout the 70s and into the 80s. Spoiler alert, they don't get less gruesome and perverted. We'll discuss Kraft's second intimate relationship, his travels around the country, and his eventual arrest. Also, did he work with an accomplice? Some evidence makes it just seem so. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you were going to complain about this being another three-parter, it's only two. So stick around and make like Randy Kraft and put a sock in it. This is Necronomapod. If you could get away with murdering or torturing people, what percentage of people do you think would do that? Do you think it's fear of prison, fear of like societal shame that stops people from doing, say, some of the things that we're talking about Randy Kraft doing? Like, do you think there's a significant portion of the population that? if the threat of being caught or the the threat of punishment was removed from the scenario, would people do that sort of thing? I'm going to pull a Bill Clinton on you and and say, it depends what you mean on significant (laughs) more than would terrify me. Probably. What do you think that percentage is? But I think the vast majority of people when given that chance would not be able to do it. You don't think so? I think people are genuinely too good to be able to do it. I think you most of the things you would see would be like a heat of the moment, like a bar fight. Someone's drunk. Oh, I'm allowed to kill you. Now I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like if you had a purge night scenario where you could go out and do some of this type of stuff to another human being with no fear of consequences, what percentage of people would do it? Go out and kill people with no Torture, kill random people. I think the percentage is probably pretty high for people that have fantasies like Randy Kraft and don't act on it because they're afraid of getting in trouble. Sure. but Okay, but would they act on it given the chance like they would be able to come to that brutality? Because I'm the opposite. I think a very small portion would. Less than 20%. Of the whole population? Would would actively go out. <laughs> That's terrifying. That's a huge number. <laughs> Less than 20% would go do it. Yeah, that's a big number. I didn't give you a number. I'm saying less than 20. Well, that's... He said a huge number, uh, amount, a percentage. Pe- I think he's talking about the number of people, the percentage of people that have those proclivities or those fantasies. Are you talking about 20% of the population of this country? So say you, you come in at 19%, there's, what, 330 million people in this country? I don't know how many adults, 280? I certainly think there would be a population of people that do it. That's 50 million people. Yeah, but I, 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 like, I don't know. I, I'm saying I think it's going to be a very small number. Yeah. I think people talk a big game, and then when given the chance, they're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to crush this guy's head with a baseball yeah. bat. I just think your definition of a small number when amplified across oh, the I don't country know. is I a assume, lot of fucking people. I, I, I thought we were talking worldwide. 
It's even bigger. I don't know. I'm just, you know, thinking of people. Like, I assume people are going to be like, oh, man, 60% of people are going to go out there and do it. No, I agree with you. So I I thought I was taking it's going to be a very small percentage of people. I guess my point is even a small percentage is a lot of people. There will be certainly people that do it. But I definitely don't think it will be the amount of people that talk a big game. That's fair. Like, I would think like, oh, man, can you imagine like that guy pissed you off? You want to you get away with torturing him? And I'm not going to do it. Do you think a, a majority of people, that's what they would try to do, get like torture someone that they knew that had wronged them? Or do you think a lot of people would just want to torture and kill a random person to see what it's like? Because they've been you know, dreaming that up in their head for years. If it was a purge situation, I think people would just go kill who they had a... Revenge killing. Yeah. I agree. That would be the majority of it. Yeah. But you could also go out and live those fantasies that you otherwise would not be able to do. Do a lot of people have those fantasies? I don't know. That's my question. I'm I don't curious. Know, that, that dark web, or what was that, dark net, where, uh, where I ran into Kevin, those people, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that people on that website, if they were given the chance, would 100% act out on this kind of stuff. So let me ask you this. Would there be more revenge killings or sexual gratification killings? Mm. I think there'd be more sexual gratification killings. That says a lot about the populace. Because, again, I feel like given that chance for the revenge, you might just be like, man, I really fucking hate this person, but I can't do that. But when there's that added motive of like, oh, I'm going to get off on that's this. their thing. Yeah, like, that's yeah, a like, different like, this is going to be the best, mindset. the most poweringest come <laughs> they've ever had. That's right. It'd be like a hostile situation, like the movie Hostel, right? Yeah. The FBI says 25 to 50 serial killers active in the United States at any given time. Yeah. So I don't know what the percentage is, like what that is to the rest of the population. Theoretical serial killers, yeah. non, uh, non-active. Yeah, do like how many, do you double that number if it's theoretical or do you, like how, how many are theoretical mm-hmm. yeah. killers? I, I don't want to live through that. That's a scary proposition, yeah. right? No, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you we wouldn't want to go out anywhere. You cut the wrong person off in traffic. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, that happens now. Everyone's got a gun in their car. Right. They'll just but, start <laughs> shooting, blasting people. Right, but at least at then they're going to have the consequences. Now, if they don't, who's right. to say they're not just going to drive down the road? Total lawlessness. Right, it well, wouldn't be good. Good positive would, start to the show. It would not be good. <laughs> if there were no laws, it would not well, be good. No. I mean, I was just reading this story <laughs> thinking to myself, like, how many people would like to do stuff like this but are... Scared to go to prison or scared to, you know, have the the scorn of their family or for their families to realize what they are. That's like the dark number. That that website, that dark net thing. Mm. You know, people are getting off on cannibalism and stuff. Like, but if you had the chance, would you go? Like, if that's what you get off to, yeah. If you were given the chance, wouldn't you do it? Like, probably. This is the real thing, finally. But but even then, are they just living in that fantasy world and it's like it's it's exciting and it's a fetish whereas like if you're in that situation and you see a body and you're smelling it, like are you are you going to still be able to do that? Or is it just more of living in that bubble and the fantasy of it? That's a very good question. Yeah, I don't know. All right, well enough about death. Let's get into the story. (laughs) No more death. Let's keep it positive from here on out. Where we left off on part one, Randy had killed three victims that we were aware of, and it was clear that the crimes were linked. There was an escalation in torture happening with two of the three victims having one of their socks 
inserted into their rectums. Police reached out to a psychiatrist who gave a really accurate profile of Randy and said that the killer wouldn't stop until they were killed or caught. And the torture would continue to ramp up, which is exactly how this is going to play out because by November of 1974, Randy had killed five more victims. 20-year-old Ron Weeb disappeared on the night of July 28, 1973, while out bar hopping. Two days later, his body was found alongside the 405 freeway in Seal Beach. Ron was found fully clothed, but without shoes. Evidence showed that he had been beaten and strangled to death. Before his death, he had been bound and suspended upside down with signs of torture, including bites on his stomach and genital area. And then again, like with the other victims, one of his own socks was found in his rectum. Hanging upside down? Not fun. None of that's fun. Mm. Being upside down now makes me dizzy. I don't want to do any of that. Yeah, let's grab him by his ankles and hold him up. <laughs> See how long we can hold him. For. Shake me out like it's uh, my lunch money. 30-year-old Vincent Cruz Mesta's body was discovered in a ravine in the San Bernardino Mountains on December 29th, 1973. Vincent was found with his clothes on, but without shoes, and one of his socks inserted in his rectum. There were a couple odd details in this murder. Randy had shaved Vincent's head and face, like completely clean shaven, then cut off Vincent's hands and wrapped his wrists in plastic bags. Finally, a wooden pencil was inserted all the way into Vincent's penis before he had been killed. I'll be honest, I got <laughs> I got really lightheaded reading all this. This is what the, the rest of this episode yeah, is going to be it, like. It we have talked it. about <clears throat> things being shoved all the way into penises way too much on this show in its history. It seems to happen a lot. Don't okay. like that. No. That, that's what kind of pencil was it? Not a number two, because you yeah, shove yeah. that into an anus, not a Obviously. penis. <laughs> number number two goes in. It was one of those <laughs> one of those big thick gimmick Laddie pencils. pencils. Yeah, one of those big, you know, ha ha pencils. Oh my god. You're tearing the penis hole with that laddie pencil, right? Mm. Do did you it? think they were alive when he did that? Oh god. They I, were, yeah. Oh god. Most of this don't is like alive. that either. Oh. Most of this is alive. This is a horrible so story. He was getting off on the torturing. Yeah. Oh. Was it eraser first? I don't know. Please. That's a little better, right? I don't know. That's going with the widest end, though. But not pointed. True, this but it also it tapered. But it's either oh. way, it's not. I don't love it. this conversation. <laughs> I'm kaleidoscoping right now, just even talking about this. <laughs> this is awful. Oh, I don't like that feeling, but <laughs> it, it's not like he like slowly is inserting it either. It's no. to generate oh, pain. So it's yeah. just oh. if you hear a big thump, <laughs> it's my it's my head hitting my desk here. It'd uh, be great if his head hit the bottom. He's like, Something's wrong here. He's just unconscious. If it take him to get stitches in his forehead. <laughs> oh my god, this is atrocious. Oh god. All right, this is only the first kill of the day. Oh. After what seemed like a six-month hiatus, Randy struck again, this time killing 20-year-old Malcolm Eugene Little on June 1st, 1974. Malcolm's body was found nude and propped up against a tree beside Highway 86. Malcolm's body was positioned with his legs spread, purposely putting the focus of whoever found his body on his severed genitals. 
as well as a tree branch that had been inserted six inches into his rectum. Mm-hmm. <sighs> tree branch is even worse. Just all the bumps bark. and grooves and yeah, the bark and like those that's much thicker than a pencil. What you would think. At least branch. That... I'm thinking branch like thicker like a twig, which would be Yeah. That seems to be after death. That's just like the like the final, icing like, on the cake. Yeah, like for whoever for, found for the, this. the posing for whoever finds it, like the shock and awe of it. Like I'm thinking like a, at least like this thick, like our mic things here. Like that thick at least. Yeah. At least, yeah. For yeah. an audio podcast that works so well. <laughs> it's about a dime. Maybe a little bigger. A little bigger than yeah, maybe a little bigger than a dime. That's pretty girthy, right, Mike? That's that's I mean, <laughs> medically speaking, that is that's not possible. That girth. I read medical journals, so I know. I read medical journals. Medical girth monthly <laughs> discusses different girths found around the world. Amiaverage.com. <laughs> he's going through with his medical journal. I'm not even going to get in because I I feel like that's probably a really a real site. Amiaverage.com like, or like something where like you can look up like. Oh, does my penis size match up to everybody else's? It's like, it's an app. It's like, there are 15 penises around you that are girthier than yours. It's got GPS tracking. It shows girthiness on your street. Well, if you, I mean, if you were, if you had good girth, you'd track that. If not, you'd like, up, oh, turn off GPS enable. <laughs> turn off, turn off. Do not allow tracking. Three weeks after this murder. Randy killed another victim, this time a U.S. Marine, 18-year-old Roger Dickerson. Roger was last seen alive at a bar in San Clemente where he mentioned to his friends that he had found a ride to Los Angeles for the weekend, but he didn't tell anyone who he was going with. Roger had been strangled to death with bite marks found on his genital area and left nipple, like mm. bit off. Type. Was, was Randy Kraft a tough guy? This is not. This is the second or third Marine victim, I believe, we've come across, and I'm sure most of our friends from the Marines would say it's not often that they get beat up by someone in the Air Force. He kills a lot of Marines. Most yeah. of these guys are Marines. Remember last week we talked about how he would go. I think it was Camp Pendleton. Yeah, yeah. And he would go hang out around there looking yeah. for victims. Well, and didn't yeah. we talk about, or maybe it was with the, the who was the the rum guy? Um, fuck. Dennis Garavi- Nelson. Was it Garavito? Dennis we just covered. Nelson. He liked to drink rum. With his dog, Bleed. Yeah. Okay, him. Why was I thinking Garavito? We covered him too recently, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, maybe it's a case of him getting him so drunk, though, or pilled up. Is that what it is? He And he's able to take advantage of him and catch him off guard and just choke him out or something? That's how I... I mean... That makes sense. If he's yeah. taken out all these guys, at some point, you're going to have some kind of scuffle. Yeah. He just looks like a, a dainty boy, not someone who you would say, yeah, that guy's going to take down right. several Marines. All these right. yeah, active Marines. There's a victim we'll talk about later on, um, Mark Hall. His blood alcohol level was crazy. Mm. Like, if he would have drank any more, the coroner said that he would have just died from alcohol poisoning. So... You know, he was completely out of it. Most of these victims were to some degree. Because Randy met a lot of them at gay bars already, so everybody's been drinking. Drinking. And then again, the element of surprise. You just, one blunt object to the head, and you have your way with them then. Yeah. If you tie them up or something. 
He probably was doing that. He became I'm just a, asking he the question. Became a master at that. Yeah, but sure. I agree. He's certainly not just out grappling them yeah. straight up. On November 29th, 1974, police found the body of 19-year-old James Dale Reeves. He was found wearing a bloody t-shirt and nothing else. He had been strangled to death, raped, and tortured. Like a couple murders ago, Randy left his body with his legs spread apart and this time a four-foot long and three-inch in diameter tree branch sticking out of James's anus. Mm. On January 3rd, 1975, 17-year-old high school student John Laris became Randy's next victim. He was last seen getting on a bus in Long Beach, but by the next day, his body was found at Sunset Beach. Near the site where his body was found, drag marks suggested that two people might have carried John's body towards the water. And we'll talk about it at the end. It's not even a might. Like There were two people that definitely carried his body there. Mm. Damn. Just going to drop that bombshell on us and then just move on. At this point, police had found 14 victims across four different counties, and they knew for 100% that they were the work of the same killer. On January 24th, homicide investigators from multiple Southern California jurisdictions met in Orange County to compare notes in hopes of catching Randy. Some detectives started to suspect that these murders might be the work of more than one person, and that they probably had military experience. This theory stemmed from the fact that two victims had paper tissue stuffed in their nostrils, something that I guess was known to be used in the military to stop bodies from purging after they die. Also, the insertion of socks into the victims' rectums was thought to prevent purging as the bodies were taken to the spot that Randy left them. You don't want to trail a ship behind you. So that's what the socks were for. Honestly, that sentence works in every walk of life. Right, Dave? You want to trail a ship behind you. That's true. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're killing, hiding a body, just walking whatever in a bar. Doing, yeah. Whatever you're doing. Hurrying to the toilet. You don't want to trail a ship behind you. It's a universal truth. Yeah, it really is. Might be my first tattoo. <laughs> right down my forearm. I don't want to trail a ship behind you. Is the tissue in the nose a scientific thing? Like it stops you from evacuating when you... When you die, I don't know. That's I've never heard. I've of that never before. heard. Of, I don't know. It's interesting though. I tried to Google it and look into it, and then no, I did a couple searches. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this search right now. <laughs> I'm not in a tour browser, and uh, I'm not gonna do any more of this. Oh, I thought you meant just the pictures that started coming up. No, no I just wanted it. to see if it was a real thing, and hmm. I was curious about the science behind it, and I did not find anything, and. The NSA is probably tracking I was me say, already. The NSA probably texts you like, hey, now. And you're yeah. like, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> what are you doing up? Uh, what are you up to, Davey? <laughs> like, look, we turn away when you're searching Casey Anthony's ass. But right now, pal, we're going to need you to slow down. National security concerns here. <laughs> I've been seeing this. It's it's like an ad that keeps coming up on, I think it was on Instagram or something. But it's, and I'm sure it, it doesn't work, but it's. The doctors that put this balloon up your um, nasal cavity and they go through your mouth and like pump this thing and it shoots the balloon out your nose or no, they put it up your nose and it shoots it out your mouth. Yeah. Like, and it's supposed to clear you up like all inside. Really? But watching it just makes my eyes start watering and I'm just gagging. Yeah, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm sure maybe afterwards you feel great, hmm. but it looks like it'd be so painful. Anyways. If I find it again, if it comes up, I'll send it to you guys to check out. 
but no thanks. Like a neti pot type thing. Just... Except not water. Like it's yeah. like a balloon that's like blowing up out of your mouth. Hmm. I don't think I would like that. Doesn't it? Like I'm going to decline that offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I made the mistake of I think like I saw the video and I was like what and I clicked it so then you know as soon as you click like an ad that's all the ads oh, yeah. you're this gonna get this motherfucker wants a balloon in his nose <laughs> we got a sucker we got a sucker <laughs> give him all of the ads <laughs> he's got sinus issues <laughs> yeah. but now of course that I talked about it and I'll send you the video it's, I'm never gonna see it again <laughs> everyone listening yeah. will though maybe it's gonna so. be in their ads yeah. all I day. hope they see it <laughs> send it to Declan if you see it <laughs> He's got really bad sinus issues now. I guess some guy kicked his ass this past weekend. His whole nose is busted up and oh, broken. He can barely breathe. And I was like, well, don't be a bitch, man. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> You're supposed to protect him. Come on. Oh, I don't hang out with him socially. He was out on his own. What was he doing? Well, he said he, listening to this show, he was trying to be a brave guy, and he was hitting on some chick that was with another dude. And I was like, you can't just go around assuming everyone wants to be a cock. <laughs> And the dude fucking, boom, wow. he was in Parma. The guy had a tap out <laughs> shirt on, fucking laid him out. Broke his nose. His, his eyes are all black oh, and blue. Declan. We should Maybe for Christmas, we should get him self-defense training classes. So. Or we should just really fuck with him and like tell him that's what we're doing. But we're going to sign him up to be one of the volunteers that wear those suits for the attack dog training with police. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they have to run and the dogs like grab your neck and take you down. We should do that. Like, no, 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 it's self-defense. It's self-defense. <laughs> yeah, defend yourself yeah. against the dog. German Shepherd just at his jugular. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Be the best practical joke ever. Ah, oh, poor guy. Hasn't he had enough, Mike? Come on. I didn't make him go out and mess with the guy wearing a tap-out shirt. He was emulating. You don't fuck with a guy wearing a tap-out shirt. <laughs> he was shirt. emulating you. He's like, if Mike can fuck wives, so can I. Well, I learned my lesson. You don't mess with tap-out shirts and guys with barbed wire tattoos on their biceps. And, Parma, je no less. and jeans with like the little crosses on the wallet <laughs> pockets in the back that from the buckle. I have a barbed wire tattoo on my face. Do you? No, you don't. Do you really? <laughs> Did you know this? Mm -mm. I didn't know from that. like 30 years ago. Do you? On your sleeve? No, on the other arm. Boy, I, I would love to get rid of it. <laughs> Blast well, over. So he, at least he's come, come around. <laughs> That's awesome. You need to get a tap-out shirt for Christmas. Oh, that's horrible. That's the worst. <laughs> All right, well. Were you the guy that punched Declan? Did you punch Declan? Of course not. Okay. <laughs> I would let Declan bang my wife. I'm cool. Well, I would never. It would just make you look so much better when you returned. <laughs> You're like, all right, honey, now that you've had that, daddy's home. It would never cause harm to Declan. Well. Chad and Parma certainly did. <laughs> <Chad>. <laughs> On March 29th, 1975, two young men, Keith Crotwell and Kent May, were lured from a Long Beach parking lot into a Ford Mustang driven by Randy Kraft. Randy offered them beer and Valium while driving around Belmont Shore in Seal Beach. Back in the parking lot where Keith and Kent were last seen, two of their friends saw a black and white Mustang pull up. The driver leaned across the car, opened the passenger door, and dumped Kent unconscious onto the ground before speeding away. As the car drove away, the friend saw Keith slumped against Randy's shoulders. Man, even bolder. He's up to, you know, we said last week that he will end up killing 67 people that we know of, yeah. at least. It's got to be, 
you know, invincible by that point. Yeah. He even scouted the area, though. He just fucking drove through and just dumped him. Dumped him. Hmm. I guess Kent's lucky, though. On May 8th, Keith's skull was found near the Long Beach Marina, and the rest of his body was found six months later. Keith and Kent's friends took matters into their own hands, and they decided that they were going to go search for the Mustang. Eventually, they found the car parked less than a mile away from where they lived. They wrote down the license plate number and handed it over to the police. The police ran the plates and found that it was registered to Randy Kraft. And he went to jail. See you next week. Story's over. Yep. On May 19th, 1975, Long Beach police brought Randy in for questioning regarding the abduction and murder of Keith Crotwell. During the second round of questioning, Randy's story started to change. He admitted to meeting both of them in the Long Beach parking lot on or around March 29th. Randy said that he talked them into driving around with him, drinking alcohol, and taking Valium. Randy claimed that he had dropped Kent back at the parking lot and then drove with Keith to a secluded road near the El Toro off-ramp. Once they got there, Randy said that his car got stuck on an embankment. At that point, Randy said they left Keith with the car while he went to a gas station to call for a tow truck. But when Randy got back, Keith was gone. Hmm. This sounds believable to me. I'm buying that. Hmm. Detectives tried to push for homicide charges against Randy because they were not buying the story that he just happened to be taking volume with this kid that ends up dead. But the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office decided to not press charges. The reasoning was based on the coroner's conclusion from the autopsy that Keith died from accidental drowning, which I don't. It doesn't make sense because only his skull was found. His body wasn't found for another six months. So weird. What do you attribute that to? Like that's was that coroner that uh, Clinton had in Arkansas? Was he on the case? Did he get a new job? Yeah, right. <laughs> So many times we've been. He at did this. the West Memphis Three as well, right? That's when we talked about him in West Memphis Three, wasn't it? No, no. He, that boys on the tracks. Boys one. on the tracks. I'm sorry, but the guy in the trailer that was beheaded, and, and they said he killed himself. He or he, he was beheaded, and then they found the dog ate. They he blamed was on the dog and, eating the head. Yeah, but yeah. they're like, well, but the head was already detached from the body. They're like, no, nope, the dog. The dog just swallowed it whole, and then <laughs> when it was right. found. <laughs> in a garbage can outside. Eventually, he said that the dog threw it up. <laughs> and then Bill Clinton gave him a raise. You're doing a real good job there, fella. Keep it up. Five stars. Oh, Bill, I like you in most cases, but come on, man. Five <laughs> Mr. Stars. President. Let's go smoke a cigar and celebrate that uh, great autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> he took a three-month break. Um in part because, you know, he was scared with the, the getting questioned for these two I kids. Th I would think so. Huh. He, he's worried I'm about scared that. when the, I get pulled over for speeding and the cops <laughs> talk to me. This guy's butchering people. <laughs> They're going to pull you and be like, we hear, heard your podcast. We know how you speak of us. He's like, but fortunately for you, it's 4.58 and I'm going to be at happy hour at 5 o'clock. So I'm going to give you a warning this time, Mr. Namapod. Uh, please drive safe. <laughs> <laughs> he had Jeff Graves in his life. Remember that was his uh, yeah. his boyfriend. They were serious. They lived together. They just had this open relationship, and they would go hook up with guys and and all this stuff. 
And Randy wanted it to be more serious. He was out driving around yelling at himself about it. Right. I remember last week. And then Randy started getting into younger and younger guys. And Jeff Graves was like, eh, that's kind of weird. At this point in time, Randy was really trying to get Jeff Graves back. Oh. In those three months? Yeah. So, yeah, in those three months. Maybe for Randy, like, that was the stability that he felt he needed. Like, oh, if I just had this guy in my life that, you know... He does have stability. With. He was working. Randy's working. I meant like a person. Like, oh, like yeah, phys, yeah. Like that physical just intimacy or whatever. And it was, we'll get back together. It'll be a fresh start. I won't slaughter people yeah. anymore. It'll be great. Randy's working as a full-time uh, English teacher at this oh, time. Oh, fancy pants. So that's part of his thing. It's like, I have this stable job now. I have a career. Let's Teaching young men. <laughs> yeah, mm. let's, let's get back together. Sure, sure. And... And build on this, and Jeff Graves did not want to do that. Hmm. He was busy doing other stuff. Yeah, Dennis Nelson moved uh, to a new flat, and that fresh start worked out fine for him. <laughs> That's Turned right. his life right around. <laughs> I believe he became prime minister. <laughs> Randy's not known to have committed another murder until December thirty first of that year, when he abducted twenty two year old Mark Hall in San Juan Capistrano. Mark's body was found on January 3rd, 1976, nude and tied to a tree. He had been raped and tortured before he was killed, which police said that Mark was the worst that they had ever seen of all of Randy's victims. His legs were deeply cut with a knife multiple times. His eyes, face, chest, and genitals were burnt with a cigarette lighter from a car. A cocktail swizzle stick was jammed through his penis hard enough that it went into his bladder. Oh, my God. Jesus fucking Christ, this guy. <laughs> Dave needs some air. <laughs> Get a window open over here. <sighs> Mark's genitals were severed and inserted into his rectum, along with dirt and leaves. Finally, Mark's throat was stuffed with dirt and leaves. So essentially, he just suffocated to death on a mixture of dirt, leaves, and blood. That is just this is the guy. the chart, man. So this is the guy that had a blood alcohol level oh. of like astronomical, like much, you know, a little bit more and he probably would have died. So mm. I wonder if Randy was just doing all this stuff to him and he's, he's unconscious. Maybe already dead just from alcohol poisoning. Oh and, then God, just, and then he's just, and then he's fucking so. with this guy's body after the fact. I mean, if it's yeah, that man. high, how are you alive? That is horrific shit. Yeah. You almost hope it's just, Died from alcohol poisoning, right? Yeah. Like, I hope that's what did it before all this torture. Yeah. yeah, I hope he wasn't awake or aware of his eyes getting burnt with a, a, a car lighter. It's that's about terrible. As, as bad as torture as, as we've discussed on the show. Like, it's this get, is right up there with the worst of the worst of the torture on people. Yeah. Do you guys even know what a car lighter is? You know what that is? The yep. little thing you pushed in, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm just making sure. My first car had one. <laughs> oh, I know that. I see it on Antique Roadshow all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to light my cigarettes with my one in my first car. Yeah, sure. My first car had the the, the nozzle thing for it, or like the little hole, but my mm -hmm. parents were like, well, he doesn't smoke, so just like put the cap in it. So it just had the cap instead of yeah. like the actual lighter. Yeah. So I didn't have uh, I didn't have that, but I know of it. I feel sure. like that'd be really cool to use. 
Like riding down the road, smoking, you just push that thing in, pull it out, and light up. It was awesome. Like it was awesome. To me, that fucking <laughs> was awesome. fucking thing in yeah. the world. I, they need to bring that back. Everything comes back in style. Yeah, can put ashtrays First back of all, in we cars. First we need to bring cigarettes back in style. <laughs> smoking allowed indoors. Fuck you, don't be a pussy. We're smoking inside now. I don't even smoke, but I'm not going to be a bitch Airplanes. about it. Airplanes. Yeah. Airpl- that's a little that's a little that's, that's a little much. In the back of the, in the back of the plane, like classy businesses do. In yeah. the very back of the plane. Can you imagine being on an airplane the person next you no. like you don't smoke, the person next to you is just blowing smoke in your face on an no. airplane? No. I can't so imagine crazy. That. That's that's awful. My joke was funnier before we got to that point. <laughs> I don't know. We've said it before, smoking just looks so cool. I feel cool the the once a year I have a cigarette. I love smoking indoors back in the day when you were allowed to do that. Sure. Eat dinner and then smoke a cigarette afterwards yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I never, there was a bar, a uh, local bar at the college I went to that like even after like smoking was outlawed, they're like, no, nah, we don't. Oh, there's like, lots of those. Yeah. Like, like Dave with his, uh, I'm going to have an open container. Like, no, that law does not affect me. <laughs> this was a bar that like they still sold cigarettes. You could still smoke inside. And that was the only time I've ever really, I think, smoked inside. Yeah. And then you just leave and your eyes are burning so bad that I'm like, why? This is fun. Why is this fun? And now looking back, I'm like, no, that was pretty fun. Yeah. Good times. It was a weird time, too. Like, you know, you go to a restaurant, there'd be smoking and non-smoking sections. I remember that. There's a a little, you know, wall. That does nothing. That's the smoke. (laughs) You blow your smoke through through the wall at the non-smoking people. Like, this is ridiculous. What are you talking about? Yeah, like I would hang out with my friends super late at one of those 24-hour truck stop type places, Mm -hmm. drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and Mm -hmm. shit. And yeah, they had the the smoking section was in the back, but there was like no, there was no. We're in the same room. Yeah, it's it's all the same thing. Do you know how air works? (laughs) It's like when I'm with a wife and she's like, are you wearing a condom? I'm like, no. (laughs) Same thing. You're fine. Shut up about it. On your face, anyways. What does it matter? <laughs> Actually, it goes wherever the husband gets a questionnaire and he gets to check off. Like so, it's one right. of those bodies, like the health bodies. <laughs> it's like where would you like Mike's come? And he can circle where he wants it. And I assume he talks to her ahead of time, but I don't know. That's between them. It's not he, your concern. He legally signs, and then I, I come, legally sign. I come where told. It's quite a talent, sir. Weirdest one I ever got was a uh, elbow. Guy wanted me to come on his wife's elbow. I was like, all right, pal. I'm not here, King Shame. Maybe she was dry and ashy. <laughs> he just runs over and starts massaging it in. <laughs> Who can tell with these people, Mike? Who can tell with these people you cavort with? Sometimes I feel like just out of cuck jokes. <laughs> Talking about elbows. Following the murder of Mark Hall, Randy started a new relationship with 19-year-old Jeff Seelig. This was not an open one like Randy had with Jeff Graves. Jeff Seelig would later tell investigators that he and Randy often picked up hitchhikers. If those guys were in, they would join Randy and Jeff Seelig at their apartment for threesomes, but they never did anything apart from each other, like how Randy and Graves were like going out and each finding. Sure, guys. it was an open relationship. Right. They would just do their threesomes together. Yeah. That makes sense. Jeff Seelig insisted that during their time together, he never witnessed Randy show any violent behavior towards him or anyone else. 
Well, if they never did anything apart, that means uh, Jeff was involved in uh, some of this nonsense going on. Randy's relationship, starting with Jeff Selig, seemed to coincide with a pause in the murders that he had been linked to. This lasted until December 10th, 1976. 19-year-old Paul Fuchs disappeared, and unfortunately his body has never been found. However, Paul's last name was clearly written in Randy's notebook. Paul was last seen outside of a Long Beach gay bar named Ripples, which Randy was known to hang out there a lot. And that's a, that's a unique last name. It was specifically written. Yeah. After the murder of Paul Fuchs in December of 1976, Randy stopped killing for 16 months. Damn. Yeah, he has these long cool-off periods. I think oh. that, that makes it harder for investigators. Sure it does. Maybe the relationship, though? Like yeah, something new, something he's into. They're having threesomes now, so he's still kind of getting to have sex with other guys. It, he's a very, I guess you'd consider successful. He's He's got a good job. He went from being an English teacher to he's doing this data processing stuff with computers, which in the 70s, you know, computers aren't super big. You know, yeah. there's not, not much of that going on, or it's not mainstream at least, so... He not super popular. They actually were very big. They were the well, size of a room. <laughs> <laughs> Physically, they yeah, were. I'm, fucking, just, I'm just clarifying. Yeah. <laughs> now we all have ones that fit in our pockets. That's right. But those were specialized positions. And yeah, they paid well. Sure. So he's, you know, on the surface, he was really living, smart, right? Yeah. Like we talked about that last week. Like he did well in school. Mm-hmm. So he's on that. You know, to everyone else in the world, he's a successful guy living a a good life and his family doesn't love that he's gay but he still comes around and does everything behind the scenes he's doing this everyone needs a hobby ian (laughs) (laughs) that's a true statement (laughs) on january 3rd 1978 homicide detectives from various counties met again to discuss the ongoing manhunt for randy by this point, they knew that there were multiple serial killers operating in the area. Well, a couple of years earlier, they were certain it was one guy. I know, because Patrick Kearney had been arrested and confessed to the murders of 28 boys mm. and young men. Kearney's M.O. involved dismembering his victims and then putting their remains in garbage bags and then dumping them along freeways in Southern California. Kearney also shot his victims in the head. He didn't do any of the torture stuff, so... They knew they at least had another killer out there. Mm. Is California in the 70s the most dangerous place on earth? Because Uh, it sure fucking seems like it. Probably even today. Who knows how many serial killers are out there in California? Holy shit. On the old PCH, just waiting. Between Kemper, there's just tons of them. Richard Ramirez. It is the Mount Rushmore of serial killers all just in California. Hillside Strangler is just... It, the list goes on and on of these guys operating in the 70s. On April 16th, 1978, Randy broke his 16-month hiatus and abducted 18-year-old Marine Scott Michael Hughes. Scott was given Valium, and then his scrotum was split open with one of his testicles removed. <laughs> <laughs> then he was strangled to death with his shoelaces. <laughs> Randy left... Scott's fully clothed body, minus his shoelaces, alongside a freeway on-ramp in Anaheim. Two months later, on June 11th, the body of 23-year-old 
Roland Gerald Young was found on a San Diego freeway. That sound was my head hitting a dust. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Roland's genitals had been removed and he was stabbed to death with wounds showing that he had been thrown from a moving vehicle. Eight days after that, another Marine, 20-year-old Richard Allen Keith, was found alongside a road showing signs of being bound and strangled with a ligature, probably a shoelace. Froth from his throat suggested that he was drowning, likely due to a combination of Valium and the alcohol in his system at the time of his death. Boy, I hope so. I hope he OD'd a these guys on a lot of Valium, some at least most of the time. Most of them, this. most of them would have died regardless from the alcohol and Valium mixed together. Yeah. That's a little bit of saving grace, I guess. But I you, just, well, you just hope it happened before yeah. the the trauma, the abuse. I just question whether you're fucked up like that makes it even more terrifying. I don't know. On September 29th, the body of 20 year old Richard Anthony Crosby was found. 200 yards north of Highway 71 in San Bernardino. Richard had disappeared the day before while hitchhiking home from a movie theater. He had been suffocated and his left nipple had been burnt with a car cigarette lighter. And it's it's crazy with the, the cigarette lighter. It's not just like a, a one and done burn. Like he really just burns until it's like the area's gone. Like Mark Hall talking about his eyes. Like his eyes were like burnt out. Gone. Oh my god. Say so imagine someone putting a cigarette lighter on your nipple until nope. it, it cools nope. off and then repeatedly. Until it's, it's just, unimaginable. Yeah. yeah. No one's putting anything on my nipple, let alone a cigarette lighter. Oh, that's what you think. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. What? Declan told me to say that. Plan on assaulting my nipples? <laughs> Declan told he's not even talking he right now. He has plans for you, pal. He's in a full face mask because of fucking Chad and Parma breaking <laughs> his face. The final known victim of Randy in 1978 was Michael Joseph Enderbeaton, who was a 21-year-old truck driver from Long Beach. His body was found on November 18, 1978, along an on-ramp to I-605. Michael had been raped with a foreign object and had burns similar to those of previous victims, so genital areas, nipples. And we talked about it before, briefly brought it up, Brandy being, you know, successful in life as far as having a career and stuff. And this is where he was like really hitting his stride as being a data processing consultant. Oh, look at me processing all this data. (laughs) Bet you wish you could process as much data as I can. Is there... Like, I know it's he's making good money. He's successful. Is there a more boring-sounding job? Data processor. Processing. Data processor. No. So, yeah, he was a freelance person at this point. So kind of doing his own his own company where he would, oh, go, yeah. he would go into companies and explain how he could process, process their, their data, data better. better than others. <laughs> Fucking douchebag data processors. That's dude. where the big Those money's jabronis. at, man. Consulting. Oh, don't get me wrong. Good for him. Well, not good for him. Fuck him. But good for people who do that. Just saying, like, reading that the, your title, I'm yeah. falling asleep. Sure. This sounds like a per, like a precursor to Excel spreadsheets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen those memes? Like I excel at spreading things <laughs> in sheets. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think that's the same thing, though. But I will do a seminar if people want. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. I cut you off with no. I stupid have you joke. ever seen those those memes of people like before Excel was invented? People like look at people being happy before Excel was invented. <laughs> They're really funny because Excel it really is the worst fucking <laughs> abomination on earth. That's what we fucking use for our uh, oh, topic requests. Oh. And don't love it. <laughs> don't love it. <laughs> If I knew how to work it better, I would just maybe figure out a way to transfer it to something else. But fuck it. I don't really know. <laughs> I'm just going to keep adding to it. Maybe one day when we hire an IT guy, he can handle that for us. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Maybe we'll, we'll hire HR, IT, a social media director. Oh, yeah. They'll all work for us, of course, for very little pay. And they'll all be children because that's how <laughs> we do things. It's a sweatshop over here. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you one fifty cent piece an hour. Sold. There you go. There we go. It's easy for seventy hours a work a week. Come on. Hours. Works with Declan. He's not paid though. He's an unpaid intern. Unpaid intern. Is that what I said? Or unturn? Doesn't matter. Don't confess to crimes on air. <laughs> My mind. It sounded like I said unpaid unturn. He's an unpaid intern. Inpaid unturn. Unpaid intern. Maybe he's both. Maybe. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) On June 16th, 1979, multiple witnesses saw the body of Donald Harold Crystal being pushed from a slow-moving vehicle along the 405 freeway in Irvine. However, half the witnesses said that the vehicle was a car. The other half said that it was a van. (laughs) It tells you all you need to know about eyewitness testimony (laughs) right right there. Mm Mm-hmm. The body of Donald was found with tire tracks on it and was still warm when the police showed up. He had ligature marks around his neck and wrists, but the cause of death was an overdose of alcohol and painkillers, not strangulation or the fall. In 1979, Randy killed over a dozen young men. Among those identified was a 13-year-old, Thomas Lundgren, who was last seen on the morning of May 28th and found dead just a couple hours later. Is that the youngest victim? That I'm aware of, yeah. Mm, That's really dipping into the kid pool now. It's almost like he's just upping like that that thrill excitement level, right? Like he's been getting away with this for so long. Like we maybe did. he needs something else to kind of get the thrill out of it. Sure, we did talk about it last week with uh, he was getting younger and younger, yeah. and what he was mm-hmm. looking at, right? And his boyfriend didn't like it, right? Yeah, now Jeff Graves going like for it. it. Yeah, Jeff was like, eh, "It's getting a little weird." Mm. Randy's just ramping up. He's killing every, getting to be every month at this point. Like he's really insatiable. Yeah, he's getting kind of out of control. And gay bars across Southern California began posting warnings and asking for information about a ton of these victims. Randy Kraft went to all of these bars and was considered a regular at most of them. He just flew under the radar. No one suspected that he would be capable mm. of these murders. And a lot of these guys were sex workers, too. So, you know, that victim pool that's on the lower end. Yeah. He's like Ed Kemper sitting at the cop bar listening. On I think of that all the, the time. The cops talking about the case. Just That bar's still open, too, isn't it? Radar. I believe when I looked sure. it up back then, I felt like it was still open. And he was buddies with all the cops and everyone that came in. and Hiding in plain sight. Mr. Charisma telling mm. his funny stories. I'm sure Randy was in on conversations about everybody being scared about exactly. what's going on. Yeah. 
by 1980, Randy was 35 years old and he had gotten himself into a position where, like we said, he was making really good money. So much so that he and Jeff Selig were able to buy a house, go on vacations to Mexico, other places around the world. One of these things about a new position at work was that there was a lot of travel involved, which allowed Randy to expand on his victim pool. Between 1980 and 1982, Randy traveled to Portland, Oregon for his job four times. And on each trip, he murdered at least one victim. He had some trips to Grand Rapids, Michigan in December of 1982. And on that trip, he killed at least two people. Aren't you really opening yourself up with a paper trail there? That's just not a good idea. Yeah, like you said, insatiable. Yeah. Just can't stop. Like, oh, work trip. So what? Let's, let's do People a kill. People kill up here. But yeah, that's dangerous. This traveling all the time caused some issues in Randy and Jeff Selig's relationship. So they went to see a couples therapist, which I I find this so interesting that Randy was able to sit there during these therapy sessions playing the concerned partner while he's out doing all yeah, these yeah. murders that he's been doing because doing the therapy smoothed things over with Jeff Selig. Like he basically did the sociopath thing and manipulated the therapist and Jeff Selig at the same yeah. time. It's a super interesting. Hey, how about Jeff? He's out working so you can go on vacation to Mexico. So how about you calm down, pal? Exactly. How about that, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know he was killing people. You thought he was at work and you're complaining about it. That is true. Simmer down. Did Jeff have a job? I bet he uh, didn't. God damn, we're growing hard on Jeff here. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff was young, though. Give him that. He was 19 when he got with... Uh, so? <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> In the early morning hours of May 14, 1983, Randy was out driving around on the highway with his last victim in the passenger seat. Randy had just killed 25-year-old Terry Gambrel, so recent that Terry's body was still warm. Presumably feeling invincible, Randy was getting ready to dispose of Terry's body on the highway. All while he was super drunk, Randy started swerving, which alerted a California State Highway Patrol officer using radar, and Randy was pulled over. Uh-oh. Gotta be careful when you're out fucking murdering people. Or, or just drunk. Be careful. Yeah. Maybe yeah. don't drive drunk. Yeah. It always amazes me here, like people running drugs cross country. They find, you know, a hundred bricks in their car when they get pulled over. They're doing 95 miles an hour, <laughs> yeah. you know, in and out of traffic. Motherfucker, 55, hands 10 and 2 if you're transporting all that cocaine in your car. Yeah. Like, what are you they doing? Use that fucking blinker for lane changes. Like crazy. Don't fuck around. Brandy didn't try to resist or run. He gave his license and registration with no issues. Backup arrived, and that officer walked over to the passenger side, where at first he assumed Terry was passed out drunk. When this officer opened the door, he saw that Terry's hands were bound behind his back, his pants were pulled down enough so that his genitals were exposed, and he was wet with urine and feces. Like He was clearly dead, and his body was purging. Randy calmly leaned forward and asked the officer, quote, how's my friend doing? <laughs> to which Randy was arrested. He's doing material in the car. 
Hey, how's uh? It's not I was just funny. having a weekend hanging out with my friend Bernie over there. How's he doing? Hey, he's all right, right? How's he doing? He picks up his hand and starts <laughs> waving it at the cop. <laughs> it's oh. not funny. It's really not. But Fuck. just the fucking how's my friend doing? <laughs> the it was public knowledge within the police department. Like it wasn't like these were. Uh, like it was hush hush that they were looking for a serial killer. Like everybody mm. knew. So yeah. oh, the book, um, Angel of Darkness, I was reading about this, was that these officers, as soon as they saw the body like this, they were like, oh, we just fucking caught the serial yeah, killer. Bad. Like this is him. He was getting ready to dump this body. It's, you, you think about how surreal a situation like that would be, but I'm sure it's just a hundred times even crazier than what you have in your mind when it's, Happening to you. He's pulling over some drunk asshole, and there's a sure. fucking corpse in the passenger seat with his pants down, shitting all over himself. And the driver's like, Hey, how's my buddy doing <laughs> right. over there? Yeah, because it's like, insane. These weren't investigators. They were just yeah. doing a routine traffic yeah. stop. Yeah. That's crazy. This falls into the lap, and they're like, Oh, this is happening. And they're probably Ugh. like, Ugh, the paperwork. The smell. Also, that. Ugh. Poop and decaying body. Insane. It's my favorite candle from Bath and Body Works. Poop and decay. (laughs) (laughs) We should do a line of necro. Sell that to them. Necro inspired candles. Yeah. Poop and decay. Uh, I don't know. Ed Kemper's mom's head. Yeah. Good one. Like skull fucking your mom. (laughs) Like just, I don't know. Sure. Nipple belts. Skin lampshades. Fucking. Uh, like, will they smell Acon's good? Acon's cock. No, they're going to be terrible. <laughs> no, I think well, you got to make them smell good or no one's going to buy them. What are you well, talking about? That's the about? whole game. Well, what are they going to smell like? Roses? Yeah. The whole point is that, you know, they're disgusting. You're not going to light it. You buy it for the gimmick of it. All right. Collect this, the whole set. I got this WAP candle sitting on my desk. <laughs> somewhere over exactly. You don't light it. I did not light it. It just no. sits there. Where's I don't know where it went. Oh, it's up there. We moved oh, all okay. the candles over there. Next to the, the Art Bell candles over there, too. Yeah. I assume it smells like wet-ass pussy if you light it. I'm not sure, though. Well, don't light it. I'll get a boner. <laughs> See my lighter, Ian? That wh- white lighter? <laughs> that white one you always put on fucking Ian's fucking chair? Bad luck. What happened? Did you throw it away? I don't know. I don't know where he it probably went. got rid of it. Or did someone come in here and take it? No, that's right here. Oh. I don't even know why I touched it. That's so crazy. I had no idea white lighters were bad luck. So with Randy arrested, police searched his car and they found 47 photos of nude and dead young men under the floor mat. And next to the pictures was Randy's notebook where he had been keeping track of all his victims. I got a question real quick. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have had the same car this whole time, right? This whole time he was killing people, he had the same car? I'm, I don't believe so, no. That means he purposefully took like these pictures out of one car, and then he got a new car, and then he mm. added them back under the floor mats in his new car. The pictures in the notebook came with him. Does it seem like that's a great hiding spot? Like, what if you get your car detailed or something? And the guy's like, um... Well, I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> um, I would imagine he didn't do that. Isn't it? Aren't you opening yourself up to make a mistake? Like, oh, I went to the car wash. I forgot I had all these murder pictures under my floor, mat. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. 
They must just yeah. Like put I mean, a open a, a one of your floorboards in your house and put them under there or something. But having them in your car and driving we've had the around, floorboard conversation though too. On weird. But I mean, I don't know. We're we're talking about a person who's going around killing and torturing young men. Yeah. Clearly, there's no rational thinking going on, or yeah. you know, it's Dude. a different place to hide stuff. It's different than everyone else we talked about. It just seems whether like your it be car... in, in the garage or in your floorboards yeah. or in your house or on the coffee table, wasn't it? <laughs> Nilsson, who had the who had the book, they would show the pictures to people in his living room while they were drunk on rum. Yeah. Wasn't it Nilsson who did yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Like, so it wasn't a coffee table book, but like right. he would bust it out and be like, oh, look at these pictures I yeah, took. Yeah, he would bust out pictures every yeah. once in a while. I get your house, but your car could get towed and just by accident, and an officer could look under your floor mat. Yeah, I it think that's like part a of that. crazy thing. But maybe that it's, first of all, you're right. It's it's ridiculous thought. But at the same time, he's feeling invincible. Like, yeah. it goes, you know, you're doing all this killing. I, I think pictures are the least of your worries, really. Yeah, I suppose. Throwing bodies out on the off-ramps of highways. <laughs> <laughs> he's not really worried. The only thing I could think of is that they're so important to him. He has to have them on demand yeah. at all time. I gotta pull over. I gotta look at these pictures. <laughs> right. <laughs> he gets something out of it because he has the notebook too. Yeah. We didn't, we've never covered anybody like that. He's unique in that that he mm. keeps a list of everything too. So we're not one because mm. I think, and we'll get to it in a minute. Like he's still not necessarily taking credit for any of this, but like this wasn't something where like he would look back at the notebook and like get off to it type thing. That we know, we don't know that, yeah. but clearly there's something he's keeping it. But there's other people we've talked about that like used to get off to like the pictures or whatever else they did after yeah. the fact. This guy's just a data processor. He had to process the data, and that's the only way he knew how. That sentence made me fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> there might be something to that. Yeah. Right. He couldn't put it in his Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> all this information, yeah. they might have caught him. <laughs> I guess this was pre-Excel. Was it one that Excel and you say that like like we're like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't fucking know when Excel came around. Not you could say then. 2012. I'd been like, oh, okay. All right. When did Microsoft Word come around? That's gotta be like the first I, one, right? Like that's I the OG. Know. Yeah, that sounds right. It was Word Perfect before that. That's what everyone used. Was it? That was like the the document creator type. Okay. I did a learn today. Word perfect. <laughs> Interesting note with those pictures is that they were developed photos. They weren't Polaroids. Hmm. So we'll come back to that detail. But yeah. Those are just regular old pictures. Hmm. So get into Randy's notebook because he's nicknamed the, the scorecard killer. It consisted of two handwritten columns, 30 on the left side of the first page and 31 on the right. It began with stable and ended with what you got. Some of those entries were very exact, like EDM. We talked about this one on part one. Electronic dance music. (laughs) 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 It stood for uh, victim Edward Daniel Moore. Then there was jail out that referred to Roland Young. He was killed within hours of getting out of the Orange County Jail. Portland, Hawaii fit victim Lance Tags, who had returned from Hawaii to Oregon. 
So presumably they were just talking about it at the bar or something, you know, mm -hmm. like, Hey, I just flew in from sure. here. Portland, Denver was Colorado victim, Michael O'Fallon. Also, he was killed in Oregon. So like the same type thing. Fuck. Seventh street marked the freeway on ramp where Ron Weeb was dumped in 1973. And it just keeps going from there. There's other ones like Navy white, Iowa, Harry Carey that remain unverified. People have theories as to who those victims are, but in the end, police matched known victims to 45 notes from the list and said that no entries existed for the last two victims, Eric Church or Terry Gambrell. So 67 dead and 22 mm. John Doe's. And Terry said busted because that's the guy in the front seat. Mm. Randy went through the whole trial process, and on November 29th, 1989, Randy was convicted of 16 murders and sentenced to death, where he still sits on death row at San Quentin State Prison, swearing that he's innocent. He didn't do any of this. So much so that he sued the author of the book that I read for this series, Dennis McDougal. Randy sued him and the publisher in 93, and he was looking for $62 million in damages. Randy said that the book smeared his, quote, good name and portrayed him as a, quote, sick, twisted man. It ruined his chances for future employment whenever all these charges got overturned and he got out of jail. Well, if Mike becomes governor of California, he'll let him out. He doesn't want to kill him. Go on out, man. Make the best of it. Eh, time served. You're free, Randy. We need an HR director for Cool Down Media. <laughs> the lawsuit is dismissed in 1994. It didn't go anywhere. Oh, that's a pity. It's a really good book, too, and recommend anybody check it out. We threw out that note about the pictures, that they were developed pictures and not Polaroids. Randy didn't have any dark room equipment, and that's one of the things that law enforcement points out as to why they believe that an accomplice was involved in this, and they were mm. never able to pin him down. Hmm. Maybe he got delivered at... Uh, um developed a photo mat he just drove through a lot of photo mats back in those days guys never heard of it. you remember the photo <laughs> mat discussion from prior episodes it's uh, israel keys wasn't it yeah. in alaska yeah. look at me very easy to drive through and drop off your film they probably didn't even look at the pictures when they developed them you think that what's, that's what some of that is, is just not paying attention to no, what they're developing? No, I think Jeff Selig was killing people with them <laughs> well, when they were <laughs> developing, them, developing them at home. Why Jeff Selig? <laughs> why do you think him? Like, why could it have been one of the victims? And he just decided, oh, it's time to kill you. I think uh, he already had it's like marital-type issues with Jeff Selig and having a third person around. Probably would have there, brought a lot more complications if he had an accomplice. How would he explain that? But maybe I, I'm just if Jeff was in, involved or not. Yeah, I mean, it very it could have been some weirdo working at a photo. Yeah, thing that absolutely. He had an I have no with. idea. Do you think that happened though a lot back in the day where people just didn't pay attention to what they were developing? Are they supposed to pay attention? I, like, like I, is that I like think for quality control? But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure. Fuck ups. I'm yeah, sure sometimes. Like there had to be some fucked up stuff that came through every once in a while. I'm sure people thinking, eh. like how else? Unless you build I've a dark room at home. I've seen the Seinfeld episodes. I know how that goes. <laughs> and George is doing his posing. And... <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure people submitted, dropped off lots of crazy shit to be developed. 
And I think it was, uh, you know, hard sometimes for people that were developing film to say whether something crossed the line and they had a duty to report it to the police. Yeah, I wonder what the code of ethics is on that. How does that work? This seems like a real Russian roulette type of job. You just load up a camera and get ready to look at what's on it. Well, and it's happened. It's happened lots of times where people take, you know, pictures of their kids in the bathtub and they Mm -hmm. get reported for child pornography. Like that, that, that happened. Yeah. I'm not sure you should be taking developing film, no matter how innocently, pictures of your naked kids, just opening yourself up. Yeah, because but everyone who knows it. who's fucking developing yeah. that film. If he's a pedophile sure. or they are a pedophile, you just fucking take it and everyone did it that. back then. Well, but I remember hearing stories in the late stages of film development of people turning them in and being arrested for that. The late stages, meaning before digital, and yeah. none of this nonsense was necessary anymore. <laughs> you could make your child porn at home without yeah. the involvement of <laughs> like the every other CBS. Like other smart pedophile out there, just make your own porn at home. <laughs> like every other upstanding pedophile. That's right. So I don't know. He might have had an accomplice. Might have been Jeff. Who knows? What did uh what did the police I assume they interviewed the hell out of Jeff when all this happened. What did he uh he didn't see anything, he didn't hear anything, he didn't know anything. No, and Jeff Graves had to take a polygraph test. Mm. Or he agreed to take a polygraph test and he passed. Well, that settles it. Proof positive. Mm-hmm. So they suspected the police always su- suspected an accomplice, but they never really put their finger on who it was. The prosecution did as well. Everybody it's like an agreement yeah. that Randy had somebody doing this with him. It's really creepy. Yeah. One of the big things was the logistics of moving and disposing some of these bodies. A lot of these guys were Marines, so they were in fit, muscular yeah. guys. Uh, you know, around 200 pounds, some of them. So f- driving down the highway, you know, you're, you're moving pretty fast. They did some forensics on it. It was like 50, 60 miles per hour. They estimated some of them based on like the bruising and the scrapes on them. You know, pushing a guy, you know, 200 pound guy out of the car and with no one noticing, you're not swerving everywhere. And it seems like it would be hard to do. I agree. Yeah. I think I I lean towards that as well. Like I probably was someone else involved. It It just makes this more of a terrifying story and then opens it up to who the fuck it was. Then he's still out there. (laughs) (laughs) There's also the evidence that we talked about earlier with John Laris's body at the beach where clearly two people work together to drag Mm. John to that, to that spot. There's also some forensic evidence regarding victim Eric Church. Semen samples were found on his body, and they did not match Randy's blood type. But there's evidence to show that Randy was physically with Eric. Police found pictures of Eric in Randy's car, and they found Eric's Norelco razor in Randy's home, which that was an electric razor, so that was pretty fancy for back then. So it's a rare item. My first electric razor was a Norelco. I hated it. It was terrible. Hurt your balls? It was not for balls. (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. Those things back then, those were like death traps. Put that thing on your fucking balls. So there was semen on Eric that didn't match Randy, but there's evidence that Randy was physically... It was on... With... He was 
in standing in person with Eric. Hmm. The semen was on Eric's body or on his clothing? Or do they mean like actually on his corpse? I don't know. Any yeah. of them, I guess it could have been. But you know, I just didn't know if he was maybe doing something with somebody else, or or another time, and right. semen got on his pants or whatever. Is it possible that he and Jeff had a threesome with this guy and then and killed him after on the drive? Yeah, he's home like, all right, I'm gonna go take our friend home now. And Jeff's like, all right, I'm going to bed. See you in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do, but uh, don't Could they me. not have, <laughs> given that situation, could they not have <laughs> DNA tested Jeff? Like if he was this close to him and they you were would, suspected of, of accomplice? You would think they would have. Yeah, and this, that's the one thing about semen that I've learned through this show that... It's delicious? <laughs> <laughs> it... uh is a precursor to DNA testing. It works pretty well mm. as far as blood types concerned because it's going to match your blood type. It's not you're not yeah. going to you know mm. you can tell that way. So it was definitely somebody else with Randy that night involved in mm. this. Maybe it's the threesome thing, but maybe it's another guy at the bar they had a threesome with and you know, that guy left and he took this guy. Like it could be a lot. Of, it it could be a number of scenarios. He, yeah, he could have used multiple people at different things. Sure. I also still stand by maybe he eventually killed that partner. That could be too, sure. I don't know. I think this is... I'm just going to agree with law enforcement and everybody on this one. that He probably had an accomplice. Yeah, that sounds like I, it. I agree as well. 67 people is a lot. Did you read anything about him keeping body parts in the freezer? I didn't see any of that. I read something on that, and it's the old, I only saw it in one place, so I'm not sure if that was... Because then that would you know, mean it was at the house he shared with Jeff, right? Yeah. Didn't really fit. I'd be more likely to believe he kept body parts under the floorboards in his car <laughs> right. or the what's, floor mats. What's that lump under the floor? I don't know. Never, <laughs> never fit right. Don't f- fucking worry about it. It's aftermarket. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> This has been uh, a pretty awful two-part series. Yeah, not much. Yeah, I didn't really know anything about this guy, but what a freak. It was a recent update. Yeah, that update was just from uh, a couple days ago. It's like instant OT. You don't even have to wait. (laughs) Right. Holy shit. It's from November 28th. Um, We're recording this on December 1st, so. Michael Ray Schlitt. He, He was from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He died. He was initially back then ruled to be accidental from Valium and alcohol mixed together. But through where have we heard that ammo before? <laughs> through some DNA testing, it's been his murder's been linked to Randy Kraft. And wow. he's probably the um the the Iowa line in the scorecard that nobody could figure out or people had theories yeah, about for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Wow. After all this time. So there's still hope for the other yeah. 21 or yeah, so. Yeah, of course. course. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even what he's saying. It's so funny. <laughs> all right. I don't know what else is left to be said. You guys got anything else on, on fucking craft? No. I don't know. It's just that reminder of scary people out there. I think technology has curbed a lot of this. Scared of I mean, a lot of these people. Has. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know people enjoy these serial killer episodes, but they're such fucking buzzkills, too. 
It's, it's tough stuff to read. It's interesting, but yeah, I think it's a little... Oh, it, yeah, it's interesting, but it's just like, oh, you just want to go home and like crawl into bed and like just curl up and go to sleep. <laughs> like, this is not fun. But. Get some of my garlic bread. <laughs> well, I don't know where the fuck that came from, but... Sorry about that. I mean, garlic bread wouldn't make us all feel better right now, right? Like, come on. I could eat a piece of garlic bread. Oh, fuck yeah. That was the wrong button. <laughs> Give me some of that Texas toast right now. Yeah. So I haven't talked about it in a while, mostly because I haven't had them in a while. But it is my ultimate goal to make one of my spaghetti sandwiches with Texas toast. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah. That's going to be ball game, I'm sure. Like, that's going to be the, like, you can't top that spaghetti sandwich. I don't sandwich. see how that would be possible, yeah. no. No. My All wife right. won a year's supply of Texas toast, like, years ago. And you finished it in one month? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> you got, like, a new thing every month at Texas that's toast. That's awesome. Oh, how yeah. the fuck did she win that? I have no idea. I don't remember. What a random but awesome prize yeah, to win. It was win. awesome. That's sweet. <laughs> It'd be like me winning, like, you want a year supply of Totino's pizza rolls. <laughs> People like, what? are like, what, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't fucking want that. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> year supply. I'll get through that in four months. A lot of people don't respect how good the Totino's is. The pizza rolls? The, well, uh, you like the pizzas. The pizzas. Yeah, those are okay. For the for what you pay, they're great. Yes. You pay like a dollar twenty nine for awesome. that fucking thing. <laughs> It's like Little Caesars. Like for five bucks, that's a damn good pizza. Damn. I don't understand how Little Caesars is so cheap. How can you make a pizza? It's crazy. (laughs) It's like $10 for a large pizza and a two liter. Not even. (laughs) The $5 fresh and ready's are like five bucks still, right? Like they didn't change that. It's fine. It's unreal. Yeah. Like if I go to the store and want to make a pizza, like homemade pizza, I'm spending thirty dollars on all the ingredients. Yeah, yeah I sell them for five. Why would you ever make your own pizza at home? <laughs> no, nope. fiscally irresponsible. Yeah. And also, when you don't make something, it tastes better. That is science. Exactly. That's a science. <laughs> it was in one of those medical journals I read. It was also about <laughs> erections and whatever else I said before. Amiaverage.com. That's it. Yeah, penis size. <laughs> it was chapter one was penis size. Chapter two of this journal was make your own pizza at home or go buy it for five bucks. What's going to scientifically taste better? Five bucks. Yeah. Not the one you make at home. <laughs> All right. All right, Randy. I hope we execute you someday, but it's uh, unlikely. One mic's in power. Funky. No. Gavin Newsom put it into that. I don't have any of that power. Which is whatever. He's exactly where he belongs regardless. Yeah. Don't let him out. No. There's any talk of that, right? No. This guy will die in there. How old is he now? I can't remember last week. Uh, he's old. Yeah, he'll get there. He's not going to be around too, too much longer. Speaking Most of, of these guys science, won't be. we'll just let nature do its thing. We'll see. What do we got on Patreon? We would like to thank new patrons Carissa, Nancy Grace's shit stained corpse. <laughs> oh, geez. We didn't need that. That's harsh. Devil is dancing tonight. <laughs> Rebecca. Caroline Entsminger, Captain Cadaver, Jocelyn Zajacek, Apple, Kelcom, Kaylin, Isabella Davison, Nicholas Girton, Tough Titties. <laughs> Tough Titties. How's it spelled? Lots of E's. Lots of E's. Tough Titties. <laughs> what can I say? Tough Titties. <laughs> Michelle Luckish. 
Martha Pye, Patrick Mylod, Silfrina, Tracy, V, Jody Rennie, Robert Keeney, Robin Kuhn, Eileen Ulick, E. Norma Stitz, and Eaton Beaver all want to molest Mike's nips. It's <laughs> a lot packed into one name. That's a lot there. <laughs> Aaron Mueller, Jessica Nauman, Dean Robin, Val, Cassie C, B.U., Ian Should Cuck Me, Tabitha Baker, Feral Yuppie, Brittany Baker, Every time you say phenomenon, I say do 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 from the Muppets. I don't know that one. Turn the fuck out. Britt Baker? Brittany Baker. Hmm. DMD? <laughs> I don't know. Fucking wish. Anyways, thank you, Brittany Baker. Tara B, Cat Kell. Whisper to me, Ian, while Mike fucks my wife. <laughs> That's a very specific request. That's very specific. Might be enough charge on that. <laughs> yeah, you got to cut me in on that. Like, I need paid. <laughs> like, you have to get paid more if Ian's in the corner whispering to the guy while you're doing the walk. Well, he's got to pay that me. Cost. I want paid yeah, for that. Like, it's not coming out of my cut. <laughs> you got to pay hotel. You got to pay trans. You got to pay for our food. Like what would what would you whisper? Oh, right. Oh, look out! Look at Mike's look at Mike's <laughs> cock there. going in hey, there. I'll, I'll Isn't that hot? Mike's cock going in your wife. I'll send them the form ahead of time, the little questionnaire. They'll fill out what they want said, yeah, and yeah. we have veto right on anything we're not comfortable saying. You know. Yeah. And if Ian gets out in the mood and just puts his tongue in the guy's ear a little bit, then it just so happens to be. <laughs> just go off the rails and start saying weird shit. <laughs> Is this what you want? <laughs> That's what you paid for. <laughs> what are you feeling right now? <laughs> Goob and Luna. <laughs> Angelette Maslewski. Major McGraw. Katarzyna Zasada. Katie Saba. Sam and Riley. Esmeralda Zarco. Mrs. Tip Top, Ryan Blevins, a Lil Pecker Persuasion, (laughs) (laughs) Monty Titus, Mary Lou Lopez, Anna Clark, Booty Hole, Booty Hole, Booty Hole. (laughs) That's another Booty Hole. Fuck that person. Ban (laughs) him. Booty Hole, Booty Hole, Booty Hole. That's summon. <laughs> Jesus. That guy is so tiresome. <sighs> All right. Dave gave my mom crabs in 1886. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting out of hand here with these fucking names. Oh, now it's out of hand. I've been fucking nipple raped. I've been ass raped. Ian's whispering sweet nothings when I'm trying to dick down a wife. But now it's out of hand because Dave's giving crabs to somebody in the post-Civil War <laughs> Reconstruction era. Oh, man. J.R. Troyer. Uh, and finally tonight, Dave shooting crispy M&Ms from his butthole into Mike's <laughs> mouth while Ian reads the Bible. What the fuck? What is happening tonight? <laughs> This is 
the worst night. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, Ian reads the Bible. So there you go. Thank you, new patrons. Very clever. Hardy har har. All right. Uh, Ian, what do you got? <laughs> for iTunes, I have one for JEZ187 and Club7. Anything on your end, Dave? Uh, no, I do not have anything. All right. Anything else? We're good? I don't think there's anything good, but uh, I'm satisfied with the outcome of that story. <clears throat> Hopefully your next outline's a fun one. I don't remember what <clears throat> it is. Hopefully it's fun. Oh, that's a fun one. It'll be a good one. All right, good. We have a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod, Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for all of our merch. Necronomapod.com for all of our stickers. And Patreon.com slash Necronomapod for all of the bonus content where a lot of fun is had. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>